from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. This podcast is being brought to you by Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties. Joseph Presley is the 2016 Recreational Real Estate Agent of the Year for Mississippi. If you are in the market for a piece of deer, turkey, or duck hunting property in Arkansas, Louisiana, or Mississippi, give Joseph a call. Joseph can be reached at 601-540-7240 or check out their website at www.4cplandandhomes.com. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, J. Paul Jackson. They spent... Listen to this, $1 million on ads against me in Iowa. Now here's the good news. They use the best pictures. I look so good in those pictures. I'm trying to find where they got them. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Jake LaTundras. Where are you going? Going west. Gotta go west. And Josh Webb. You don't say much, do you? Welcome to the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I know it's been a long time coming. I've been in school the past couple of weeks, and Josh and Jake both have been busy. If you follow them on social media, guys, it's good to be back this week. Likewise. Yes, it is. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah it's good, good to finally be back. I missed you, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I went and took a uh, a real estate class. Uh, I'm going to try and get my real estate license um, sometime in the next couple of weeks. I know Josh has been taking an online class for real estate. It, it seems to be the happening business right now. So you guys are both going to be realtors in your areas? I, I kicked myself for a long time for not doing it. So things are finally line for me to do it, I guess. Best way of saying it. Yeah. I, it, real estate up here in Oxford, good Lord, it is booming. And, you know, there's a lot of recreational tracks that are that are moving, outdoor recreational tracks. So, I, I mean, there's no better time to, to get that license and, you know, to work that part-time on the side to make a, some extra money, I guess you'd say. A lot of people I know that that live in the outdoors, or at least live the outdoor lifestyle, once they get uh, tapped into the real estate market, they end up with some cool piece of property that they find in their business and uh, end up owning it themselves. So when y'all get to that point in your careers, be be, be sure and uh, send old Jake, your good buddy, an invitation to come down and hunt and fish on your properties when y'all when y'all land it. How's that? <laughs> That is true, though. That is true. I mean, a, a lot of people that get involved in real estate and are successful at what they do, um, they end up having a, a, a pretty nice tract of land that they, they own themselves. Because you, I guess because you're out in the world and you, you find out the buys before anybody else. 
And exactly. So, anyway. Don't get Dan. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that's how Lee and Tiffany got into position that they did with the properties that they have. Lee was in real estate uh, in Wisconsin and was doing, you know, something similar to whitetail properties before whitetail properties. And that's how, you know, that's what led him into doing what he's doing now and being able to afford and find the right locations in Iowa and Wisconsin to have the hunting that they do. So, yeah, and on top of that, he's like a chemical engineer or something genius, too. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I guess, I guess you know, yeah, that, we don't get all that Some type of engineer, and I'm pretty sure it's chemical. It, anyway, yeah, he's a he's a brilliant, brilliant dude anyway. There you go. Well, the thing that I thought about it was, look, I enjoy land. I enjoy developing land when it comes to hunting. I don't know that much about deer hunting and developing deer hunting properties, but when it comes to duck hunting properties and somewhat on turkeys, I think that I can handle it. But the one thing that I do know a good bit about is is online marketing. And the thing that I found out, and for all of you real estate agents that listen to this, I apologize up front, but you suck at your job online. I don't understand... I don't understand how you could be dealing with a business that 90% of the way that people find property is online and only about 10% of the people that are involved in real estate understand online marketing and what it takes to get a property up to the top, blah, 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 SEO, Facebook, email marketing. It's... really surprised me a couple months ago and I talked about this to you on the side Jake and I've talked to Josh about it multiple times is that you know a lot of agents don't understand what it takes to market a property and get it sold online I'm not saying that that I'm the guy to do that but I I think I can do a lot better job than 50 or 60 percent of the world that are that's out there you think that's uh, directly correlated to um, age or just a lack of uh, participation on social media early on as it was growing and hence the lack of knowledge to really understand the power of it all. No, I think I, it's age. I think, I was going to say, I think it's age too. It, it'll be completely different in 10 years. Oh, um, I agree. I it, agree with that. It, it, that majority age, of them are older. Yeah. When that age group gets into, you know, uh, whether in 10 years they're just starting out or whether they're a few years into a real estate career or whatever, I think. And then, then not just real estate. It'll happen with a lot of things. Everything. That, they're know, they're that, teaching social media classes in college now. Like in media departments, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole, I suppose, a semester or maybe a uh, a year of social media marketing in some – it wouldn't surprise me if it was in most or all colleges now, I mean, even in high school. I mean, it's such a big part of our world. You almost have to – you have to know it to be able to progress in today's world. Is that not true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely yeah. have to. 
Um, because they're still, um, uh, well, for some reason, there's still a lot of people who refuse to accept it. But there's even the people who, when it started booming, who refused to accept it, now they still, I mean, now they, you know, acknowledge it and understand that, that you know, um, I guess it is more than just a social place. It can be used for, for business, it can be used for whatever. But there's still a lot of people who, who, who don't want anything to do with social media. But, look, that that's all... I mean, it's funny. You know, we sit here and say, well, that's what everything is going to now. And, and it is. But, you know, everybody 10 years younger than me, that's all they know. Like, I mean, they don't they don't know anything but that. And it's not... Mm-hmm. It's just, just the way... It's just the way it is. And it's crazy, mm-hmm. but... And it, it just is what it is, I guess. 18 years ago, when someone would criticize me for being on my phone all the time, I'd be embarrassed. Or if they said, or if they said something cliche, which is now cliche, which would be, God, man, why is everybody always on their freaking phone? And I would just kind of tuck my head down and pull my hat down and go, well, that'd be me. But nowadays, when someone says that, I kind of laugh and go, boy, you live under a rock. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I, well, I mean, that's where everything is. That's where everything is. It's not, yep. that's what I'm saying, is it's not just a a place to go see what your buddies are doing. It's not just a social place anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's where all your news is. It's where all of, you know, any information you want is. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, look, if y'all have to come get me out of jail, it's going to be for one reason and one reason only. You know that I'm living in, Oxford now, and if you drive around the campus of Oxford at these bus stops where the the transit bus are, is picking up students, there will always be like 20 or 30 students standing on the side of the road, and every one of them are just sitting looking down at their phones. Might have mm-hmm. to come up with a cool name for, you know, for what they're doing, but <clears throat> anyway, I'll swing over. And while I'm driving by, now just get on the horn. And man, you're talking about freaking some people out. It's like a bunch of turkeys hearing a gunshot. <laughs> uh, you know, but it bring it, it kind of brings us into the one of the topics I wanted to talk to y'all about today. You know, as far as what's going on online. You know, one of the interesting topics that came up on Duck South was what happened to forums? What happened to the forum world? Because, Jake, I I know that you said multiple times, you know, in the old days, I'll say the old days, early 2000s, you you were a member of of a lot of these forums that were out there, Mm -hmm. the hunting forums. What has changed in, in the last few years? Because all of them are dying, including Duck South. You know, we still have a large member base on Duck South. A lot of them listen to this podcast. But what has changed as far as the way we consume information online? Why are the forums dying? My my personal opinion is that it's everyone, people have become personalized with their social media accounts, mainly Snapchat, Twitter, and even more primarily 
Facebook and Instagram, and it's become personalized. It's very, it's very, very similar to the old school forums, but it's your own forum now, and you post your own topics, and then you run around and check everyone else's uh, status, and then you go to some of the you know places, the locations on social media that you like to check out. And you, hold on, are y'all still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm hearing some people uh, dinging in and out. Sorry about that. But um, I think that um, you spend so much time on your own personal social media now, I believe that, you know, you've used up all your time during the day and, um, you know, you don't have time to go to forums. And once that sort of started to evolve into that sort of a timeline, a daily timeline on a personal basis, I think companies uh, understood that or at least saw that happening and they started, you know, implementing their own forums into integrating, I'm sorry, integrating their own forums into the social media platforms. And then ultimately it just laterally shifted from a website onto social media. I mean, that's, that's my theory of that evolution. No, I I agree with that. I I think that, uh, I think the other thing is, is 10 years ago, everybody was consuming the Internet through a laptop or a desktop, whatever it may be. And you had the time to sit there and type out a long response to somebody that may be given a question to the the community. Mm -hmm. But now with the way that we consume the Internet, whether it be through a phone or through iPad, whatever it may be, it it sucks to sit there and type out a long response on a phone like you did well, in the you old days. Well, you have thousands of people who are programmed not to. They don't. I mean, that's the honest truth of it. I mean, that, that a forum is a type of actually having to have a conversation, and people don't want to do that. They want to go type five words and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that on a forum because. People won't. I mean, you can, but people want conversation when they're going to a forum. People, you know, unless they're really, really wanting to stir the pot on something, if they put a post on Facebook, they're not really doing it for conversation purpose. They're doing it because they just want everybody to know what's going on, and that's it. Walk away from it. Post something different in two or three days. Um, now, I mean, there's different. I mean, sure, there's people who post things on on Facebook or Instagram or whatever who want to start a conversation that would be equivalent to a conversation in a forum. But for the most part, you know, unless they're, you know, unless they're, a good example of that would be like, you know, Jake has uh, a newer Instagram page, the Outdoor Cameraman one. Well, that, you engage more on that Instagram page than a lot of Instagram pages do, Jake, because that you made it, for that reason you made it so people can ask questions and you can be back and forth in depth with them but you look at the next 95 people's instagram post it's it, it it may not even say anything it's just a picture or it may say you know three words you know but it, there people don't look for conversation like they used to so there went the forums because forums were there for conversation yeah, I, I mean, I think, uh, the thing here's the thing about it. I was looking at Duck, Duck South statistics the other day. Ten years ago, 
there were an average of a hundred new topics started on average per day on Duck South, um, wow. a forum-based community. And now, you want to know what that number is? Two. And this is a this is a, a forum that has close to fifteen thousand members. What's the number today? Yeah. Two, I mean, the number of new topics on Duck South today is about two on average. Wow. So that has to be directly correlated to the popularity of social media because people can go talk about this stuff. I mean, ha let's look at it this way. When, when the forum-based community was so popular, there were really only a few places you could go to get the type of information that you wanted, say, Duck South, um uh God, what were some of the other what were some of the other ones? Uh there was a what um it wasn't hunting dot net, it was maybe hunting chat or something like that it was a big one. Yeah, what was that big waterfowl one? Um it was uh, Duck Hunting Chat. Was, maybe it was Duck Hunting Chat. Yeah, there was there was a big one. A big waterfowl one. Um yeah, I can't remember because they they used to sponsor some stuff at like Max and stuff. I can I picture yeah, that banner exactly. in my mind, but I but I can't think of the the name of it. I can't either. I'll think of it before this uh, podcast is over. But you know, refuge. people can go, not, refuge the refuge dot com. That's right. And yep. so you could go there and talk to hundreds, if not thousands, of people at one time, or come back and check the form if you ask a question or whatever it is. Now you can go to Instagram, particularly, and there are so everybody's got their own little forum going on. You can surf and find a variety of things. You don't have to ask questions. You just surf through it and find interesting content, and it's just totally changed the game. I mean, it's a visual, it's a visual thing now. But you know, it's interesting if you go to college football forums, or and I don't know about pro because I don't go to professional NFL forums. But on college forums, they still exist like they did in the old days. Like you can go to uh, um, volnation.com for the University of Tennessee. You can go to, you know, the different ones all over, with Ole Miss, Arkansas, whatever. And, and they are still as busy as they were uh, 10 years ago, if not more, because they're isolated fan bases and they don't want other people streaming in on what they're doing. They want to keep it within their family and community and those forms interestingly enough have have grown opposed to dissolved well i think it goes back to this too i think that facebook has become the intranet mm -hmm. and what i mean what i mean by that is it, it, it's become a place that is a almost a sub of the the internet itself, where you used to just go build websites, and just like we're talking about, you built a forum on the internet, people came to it, well, you have your own personal page on Facebook, but yet you have um, all these, kind of like what you're talking about, had all, you have all these duck hunting communities inside of Facebook or the intranet that you can go to, where you don't have to really leave Facebook to surf around the internet, you're you're part exactly. of so many things inside of Facebook itself. Well, how many times have you gotten lost? 
have gotten lost in navigation where you just be like looking for something and you run into something, a, a meme or a blue, a hyperlink into something else. And then, and then you, you go somewhere else and then you end up going somewhere else before you know it. You're like, you know, you're like, you're like 10 blocks from where you were. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then to go back, just hit home and you're right back where you started. It's just convenient and easy and, I mean, it's just a, it's a working phenomenon. And to this day, there's still no tangible entity of social media yet. These things are worth, you know, 26, 24 billion, billion dollars with a B. And there's really nothing to sell other than the fact that there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that traffic through there every single day. So if you want your content seen, that's where you go put it up. I think that, that Facebook made a mistake a few years ago. And what I mean by that is you created a platform, kind of going back to what I said about being the intranet, you know, mm -hmm. I think that the, if they would have done, you know, like YouTube, if you put up a uh, video on YouTube, you can do a shared ad revenue, right? You put up a lot of videos on um on YouTube. Have you ever done a shared ad revenue with, with YouTube, Jake? I have not. You mean yeah, a monetization? I mean, yeah, you where monetize? you monetize your yeah, you monetize yeah. your video, you just do a shared ad yeah. revenue that comes in from, you know, showing ads before the video starts and you keep twenty percent of it and YouTube keeps eighty percent of it. It was yeah, just a I've way got of growing I think that's why YouTube exploded so fast is because you had all these people putting up all of these videos and they were making money from it. And I, I think mm -hmm. that I think that Facebook I think that they could have you know, especially with the communities or videos, whatever it may be, it 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 generates content for that and it creates a beast you know youtube was the second largest website in the world up until a couple of years ago a year ago mm -hmm. um behind google alone um but now I, I think that since facebook has really gotten entrenched in the video world you know i think that they're getting close to taking over that spot all, but all these what things. i'm i guess what i'm saying is to to really get some good quality uh, content, man, if they could ever come up with a shared monetization, shared ad revenue that came from the content that were, that was put up there, should. I don't know if that beast could ever be tackled. Man, let me tell you, I, I went through this. I was at, I was at, um, um, not Cronky Enterprise, but I was at the station, uh, the network station, a few months ago, or actually, it's probably been almost a year ago now, down in Denver, where the Sportsman's Channel and the Outdoor Channel um, are are, um, are that's where their that's where their central station is for the networks. And I was down in the studio one day talking to a guy. I was dropping some content off for R and T, and while we were waiting for things to download, we started talking about YouTube. And the guy that I was talking to told me that he has a friend who lives in Los Angeles, California, near Hollywood, and there's an entire YouTube community 
that lives, all these YouTube stars live in the same community and they share information on how they grow. And this person was one of the smaller um, gross revenueing YouTube stars in this neighborhood and she was grossing $2 million a year off of monetized videos on YouTube. And all she did, all she does is pump out videos about shoes and makeup and jewelry and and how to live a confident lifestyle as a woman and and all these different uh, things that that drew people in and she's she has like 287,000 followers on YouTube and she's making a kill and she doesn't do anything else but YouTube. Wow. Yeah, there's I, I watched a video <laughs> or a, yeah, it was a video but it was a guy and I can't remember the name of it now, but <clears throat> he was a he was a techie type guy, but he's a big hunter. And him and his I can't remember the name of the videos. Anyway, him and his family, or he started posting just videos of. I mean, not we're not talking about like highly produced with a lot of big fancy cameras produced, but like you know he would just video him and his son deer hunting or stuff like that. Well, they he just started putting them on YouTube, and they started gaining traction. And after Year, and, and anyway, the video I was watching, he was explaining how it evolved. And long story short, that's what they do now. Uh, he worked, he worked a normal job at a. He was the tech guy at some some plant there. Anyway, and after about a year, not quite a year and a half of doing these videos, he quit. He quit that job and only started doing these videos um, with his family, and it's all outdoor related stuff. But uh, it, I mean, it's informational, um, you know, as it goes along. They're not long videos. I mean, the longest ones are 15, 16 minutes. But that's what they do. That's what, that's what, he, that's what he does for a living now. Um, and that's, that's it. And he talks about how many he tries to put out a week and a month. And, but he just had so much revenue coming in from it that uh, it got to a point where it was like, you know, equaling his what he was already making. So he quit. And then obviously it grew. Um, when he had more time to put into it, but it's it's crazy that anybody in any in any market can 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 do it. Um, it's just uh, it's crazy to to think about, but Dang, it, it happens. It I can't think of the name it's of it. It was it was a different name, and I had never heard of it. But when I went to it, I mean, sure enough, every video was in the hundreds of thousands. A lot of them were in the millions of views, and I was inter- it was it was interesting stuff thing about monetizing videos on youtube is you know you have to follow these rules because to monetize it you have to have royalty free music you have to have written permission um which wherever you get your music tracks from you have to have and most of these uh, royalty free sites now have uh you know purchase agreements when you purchase a song it comes with a contract so that you have a contract to send to YouTube or Vimeo or wherever or Facebook or whoever asks for the rights, um, and then you know you have to have permission if there's if there's people in your video. You have to have certain if there's you know a certain number of people. Or if you're featuring a person, you have to have written consent from that person in an interview and all these rules. And so here's the trick to it. And this is what I found out with my Kodiak Bear video because there was one music track in there that I didn't, I, I had permission for, but I got the music before they had licensing agreements that I could I could uh, copy and paste. And YouTube 
declined monetization on that video because I didn't have permission for one written permission from one song, okay, music track. But then here's the trick, and this is kind of what aggravates me, okay. Um, I'm, I'm venting here, if that's okay with everybody. <laughs> no, it's so, fine. It's important though. So they declined monetizing my video, so I couldn't make any money off of it through the commercials they sold, okay? But they still sold commercials on that Kodiak Bear Hunt video on YouTube and made money themselves. So can someone please explain to me why, since I didn't have royalty rights, or I had royalty rights, but I, didn't, I couldn't prove it for one music truck that I couldn't make money off of it, but YouTube can use my video and make 100% profit off the commercials they sell off of my video, which now has over, I believe, over a half a million uh, views on it. And they're selling, when you click on it, they're selling commercials to Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops, which I know they're getting big money for. So, you know, that's that's a really fresh, ambiguous an ambiguous situation that doesn't make much sense to me why they can make money off of it, but I can't. Unless for the only thing I can see is if for some reason they felt like they then completely owned the video. No, I, th- I mean because I still have the power. I still have power to pull that video off of my YouTube page if I want to. Yeah, I don't well, see, that's, that's what I'm exposed. saying. I can't see them being able to unless that was the case, which I know it's not. So I don't know. I don't. I'd like to talk to some of those people who who do, you know. Uh, who make a substantial amount of money off of YouTube and just see what, you know, not necessarily in the hunting industry, but just in general, just to see what all kind of, because I'm sure it's changed in the last year. It probably has changed in the last six months about, you know, regulation. We started talking about that's right. You know, what you, what you can and can't do. So, you know, and there's, there's somebody out there. Obviously there's a lot of people who are, keeping up with it because it's a part of their income so you know i just like to know what all what all there is to it i think that they put those rules and regulations in place where it hinders some people from being able to do that shared revenue program do you agree with that i I mean mean, because like, like some of these people like you're talking about going out of the way to be able to, you know, to get those written permissions to use those, you know, those the, the, the music or whatever you may put in the video. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are not going to go out of their way to... Oh, oh, YouTube is so much better off and they know it. They're they're much happier when they get a video that they know is going to blow up on their on YouTube, and they don't have to offer royalty rights or um, a percent a shared revenue off of that video because they make a hundred percent profit off the commercials they sell on it, and they don't have to give any of it up. I mean, they're they're way better off if people make mistakes and they just say, "No, sorry, buddy," and then you keep it up there and they get to make all that money off off of the commercials. I mean, that just that just makes sense that they're they're better off that way, right? Oh yeah, I mean because we don't know. Look, the thing about the human brain is 
once we see that we're becoming popular, we don't want to stop the train that's making us popular. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. We're not going to pull it down just because we're not going to get $5,000 from a commercial. And I, I think that all of those hoops momentum. have to be jumped through on the front end because nobody knows what a video is going to do mm-hmm. um, until it gets out there and it explodes. And then you're like, oh, crap, man, I need to do shared revenue with this. Mm-hmm. That's right. No, that's exactly right. At least the way that that's what it was at one time. Now that people know that you can actually monetize your videos, you know, you go into it with a, a different money-making business sense opposed to two years ago when you're like, wait a minute, why is this 15-second commercial popping up on my video? I said, no, holy crud, I got 150,000 views on this video. Oh, okay. I could have made money off of this, but I didn't know that. <laughs> have you have you seen the Facebook has not only started putting ads on the front of the video, I don't know if you've noticed this in the past few weeks, but they've started putting ads in the middle of the video. And it's always at the climax of the video, right before right. it gets to the funny part that you want to see. you got to watch a 15-second ad. That's Hollywood 101, buddy. <laughs> they took that straight out of they took that straight out of out of uh, network television techniques and how much they could charge for a commercial in the middle of you know some clim- some survivor episode right before the climax. Guarantee you those thirty second commercial spots at the climax of Survivor are the most expensive spot placements in that entire TV show because everyone's glued to it right at that point. And you're going to sit there and watch it. That you have to. Yeah. <laughs> but some, it, sometimes it feels like someone just punched you in the face or pulled the chair out from under you or, you know, something. It, it just feels like this. Someone just let the air out of you when you're sitting there glued to something. All of a sudden, this Pringles commercial pops up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that the forums are coming back anytime soon. Uh, one nice thing that I will say about this is uh, a lot of these f- old forums have moved over to the social media world, talking, getting back to the forum topic. But one of the nice things that Facebook has done, and I will give them this, is if you create a group on Facebook, um, unlike a page, you see every post that may come up in that group. And what I mean by that is Facebook wants pages to advertise, you know, to sponsored post or whatever it may be, versus a group. Every post that's made inside of that group, you will see if you're a member of that group. And I think that's pretty cool of them to be able to do that. And we've started a Duck South group here in the past two weeks, and it's growing pretty fast. Have you all seen the movie, uh, is it The Social Network? Oh, yeah. It's about about how Facebook, That I mean, is, is, is silly as it may sound, I've watched that movie multiple times, really even to just learn from it, because, you know, that whole Facebook concept started out as a way for these guys to grade women 
at their college campus. I mean, it started out, they were communicating for study purposes. And then once these females started, you know, coming onto their, their little network, then they started grading women. And then all of a sudden, uh, Mark, was it Mark Zuckerberg? What's it called? What's his last name? I forget. Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Zuckerman. Zuckerman. No, it's Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, okay. The founder of Facebook, you know, he started this and he, he literally caught on to how quickly something like that could grow and then just took it from one campus to the next and started linking all these campuses up and then went to the West Coast and got Stanford involved. Before you know it, he's got whatever it is now, 700 million people um, on Facebook. I mean, it's just, it's insane. But the simplicity of the concept, you know, really grew from nothing into the world's largest traffic jam. Hey, I'll tell you something pretty interesting that a guy told me last night. I know you'll find it a hard concept that I have friends in high places, but I have one of my friends that (laughs) he is, he sits on the board. I'm talking with uh, the Coca-Cola CEO, um, one of the heads of Apple, and it's a... Um, it's an investment firm. I don't. It's what? What do you call it when you people invest money and you decide um, out of this big bundle of money, people present these ideas to you, and you decide if oh, social funding. Yeah. Well, he he sits on the board with that, and I was on the phone with him last night talking about some things and. He's a really smart guy. He's in New York, and he was he was telling me last night. He said Zuckerberg will be the president within twelve years. That wouldn't honestly wouldn't <laughs> it surprise would, me. Me either. <laughs> I, I did not think twice in saying that either. Wouldn't surprise me a bit because I, mean, you I don't look know at if what, you've noticed. You look, you look at what kind of leverage the guy's got. All he's got to say is the only reason you all know each other is because of me. <laughs> I mean, I brought one billion people together in the same together. spot. We all yeah. get along. That's it. <laughs> so, and and if you don't get along, we can kick you off. So, I want to be president, and they'll vote him in. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me at all. I I completely agree. I don't know if it'll be that quick, but wouldn't surprise me at all to see him as president before before I die. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if you've noticed this in the news, but Zuckerberg has been making a. United States tour. Now, yeah, I saw Zuckerberg, that. Yep. Zuckerberg is a total introvert from reading about him. So there's huge talk with people with a lot of power in this world. I know we all live our simple lives and we think simple ways, but things go on in the background of this world that we well, I'll never understand or anybody ever understands. But anyway, that's the talk. That's the reason that he's been making that tour. Like, he made, what, two stops in Mississippi. Yeah, and that was recent. That was within the last month or so, right? Maybe the last couple months. Yeah. But yeah. He, he's you, know, you know what? You, look, this is where this is going, y'all. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be Mark Zuckerberg versus Oprah Winfrey. In eight years, that's what our that's who our that's <laughs> yeah. who our that's what our that's what our our can that's who our two candidates are going to be. <laughs> wow. Well, 
<clears throat> it's true, though. I mean, it's the truth. But, you know, I don't... He blew me away when he said that name, though. I mean, it was on... I, I was like, what? He's like, yeah. yeah that doesn't surprise me a bit. I can believe it. But, anyway. Well, look, um, before we get on to the... I wanted to tell you this. Look, I wanted to ask you this. What do you guys... I, I, look, I know, Jake, you're mid-40s, Josh, 10 years younger than us. Um, what are you guys doing for exercise? Do you do any kind of exercise? I do a lot I of 12-ounce curls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking a, asking a bar owner what he does for, for exercise. Um, <laughs> I see Jake taking hikes on Facebook and, and Instagram all the time. And I know you That's walk through the woods. Jake, Jake needs the the rest in between adventures. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, Jake's uh, Jake's adventure lifestyle uh, probably keeps him in uh, in pretty dang good shape. Although I did see I did see one uh, workout type video from you. I don't remember if it was on Instagram or what. I did see that. But every now and then, every now and then, I'll put something. I don't want to be one of those gym rat selfie guys, but I I do go to the gym almost every day, particularly when I'm in town. And if I'm in a hotel and I have time, I typically find the, the workout center and, you know, get my exercise in. And really it's not so much to, I mean, honestly, it's not really just to stay healthy. It's really to stay in shape because of the type of work uh, that my job demands. If, if, I'm, if I'm not in shape, I'm not doing what I'm doing. I mean, it's pretty much that simple because – I can't be the weakest link in my group because I'm the camera guy. If anything, I have to be the strongest guy in my group, at least behind the, the guide himself. And, um, you know, so I, I have to work out. I agree with that because there's there's nobody out there trying to help that cameraman carry another 60 pounds worth of crap up and down the mountain. No, there's, <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good people out there. Don't get me wrong, but uh, that's just... Uh, that that's something I would like to do. I would like to do. Um, I'm not really a documentary, but I would like for there to be a behind the scene, behind the scenes. Somebody who is not a professional photographer or videographer go on these types of hunts and only showcase what people like you do and go through. Uh, so, in other words, get up, get up, in other words, get up ten or fifteen minutes before you. And 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 start from that moment all the way through, and, and and not just like you, you know, go from person to person throughout a year because there's hunts going on right now, and there's hunts in the summer and the fall, and then and put all that together because I think it would really bring some, uh, it would really open some eyes as to, oh man, that guy, you mean he doesn't just sit down and take off a lens cap and start shooting? Oh, I didn't know that. Because I really think there's a lot of people who still think that's what happened. <laughs> I think we should start you, a new reality. I'll tell you what, I, reality. Go ahead. So the, I, I, saw, I was just going to say, because it, it's true, man. To do what Jake and those guys have to do, I saw Jake sit on his knees on top of a, um, what was that, those pumpkin seed layout boats in the middle of the Great Salt Lake. How long did you sit on your knees? Filming that duck hunt that day. I don't know. It was two or three hours. 
Yeah, my knee still hurt from that day. That was two or three years ago. Uh, I mean, mean, there's just so many things that, I mean, like the other night, Jake and and my wife and son and I were eating supper. And, like, the little things you don't realize, (laughs) like, Jake literally owns a mouthpiece for when he he has to have rough boat rides uh, in these bass tournaments. And he looked like he got shot in the chest with a 270 the other day because the guy went to set a hook. Went to set a hook on the fish and missed, and that that tungsten weight hit Jake right in the chest. <laughs> I mean, like there's just there's there's stuff that goes on you just never know. It it's just uh, it's it's oh, it's fun being friends with guys like you because man, you get to hear all kind of stuff. <laughs> oh man, it's like we're like the punch. We're like sometimes I say the camera guys are like the offensive linemen in football. We're the ones you know in the trenches getting beat up and the 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 running back and the quarterback and wide receivers always get all the credit for it. That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. But it's my way of it's my way of, you know, providing a way to, to do what I love to do and make a hold on. Hold on one second. It's my way of of um providing, you know, uh, an income for my family and still maintain a way for me to do what I love to do, which is hunt and fish. Well, I, look, I was going to tell you this on the the exercise deal. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Roy and I decided we have to go to Puerto Rico for Roy and sister's wedding. And there's a requirement on what you wear as far as the suit goes. So you have to wear these uh, summertime can suits, which I already have. Well, man, I was trying to put it on, and it would not go around my waist. You know, it was it was one of those where the zipper was about to break off <laughs> at the open position. <laughs> uh, when you, that's where you, that's when you bust the zipper and you blame the manufacturer. <laughs> yeah, <you can't> <laughs> so I, I decided, look, I'm, I'm going to lose 10 or 15 pounds, or I'm going to have to buy a three or $400 suit to go to this wedding. And I mm-hmm. decided it was going to be easier to lose 10 or 15 pounds. And anyway, so I started walking. Let me tell you something. When a big old six foot six, three hundred pound guy starts walking around a campus like Ole Miss of nothing but good looking women, you get some wild looks. <laughs> they probably think you're like the ex lineman or something. They're trying to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ought to just start start signing autographs and don't tell them any different. Tell them your mom. Tell them your yeah. Look, those people, those those kids on campus now, you could I mean, just just tell them you played with Eli. They won't know any difference. Dude, you'd be getting, you'll be all over social media, man. You'll be getting photo bombing everybody. The first, <laughs> the first day that I walk, I've been getting up real early and going walking, or either late in the late in the afternoon after the kids go to bed. But the first day that I walk, man, the wind's blowing like thirty miles an hour. 
And I tried to avoid the crowded spaces in Ole Miss. Like, you know, we live right beside campus, but there's sidewalks through the woods. You go to the football stadium, baseball field, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'm walking into the wind, and I must have crossed a full parking lot where a lot of people were parking because about the time I make my turn toward this parking lot, the wind just hits me head on. So what happens when the wind hits you head on? Your shorts and your shirt just suck to you. So So here comes this big guy with a belly and man boobs that I can put some women to shame with my man boobs. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the, the look in my white legs and my white legs on top of that. Man, you should have seen the look that I got some from some of these people. I'm trying to change the subject in my head, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> hey but but I did learn something valuable that day. I figured out the million dollar idea and it's not an invention. It's just we should take off and run with it. The thing that I've learned about college people or college girls, man, all they wear are yoga pants. Mm-hmm. That's all they put. That they slip on yoga pants and a t-shirt, and they go to they go to class. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And I I came back and I told Roy Ann that, and she said, "Yeah, you know how much those yoga? Some of them can cost a hundred bucks. I'm like a oh, piece yeah. of." Elastic band? Is they're, making, yeah. they're making they're making designer yoga pants now, like with yeah. I mean, elaborate. You know, they're way more than a hundred bucks a piece. <laughs> yeah, hundred oh, yeah. bucks a piece. Those are just black ones. Those are just black and 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 white ones. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, those are yeah, those are the that's run of the mill, man. Yeah, no, I. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, it's crazy. You're right, but it's 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 the normal. I mean, it it just it is. It's just the norm. I mean, some of them should be wearing yoga pants, and some of them should not be wearing yoga pants. I agree. See, if we get into that topic, then we're going to start getting in trouble. Yeah, we're going to stay away <laughs> from it. I, I just thought, <laughs> I thought it would be cool to. You know, because like I said, I was like, man, a hundred dollars, I could find a Chinese manufacturer and sell these things for fifty and make a killing. Still be making a two hundred percent markup. Yeah, on exactly. Them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. But anyway, back to the the um, Jacob. You and I talked about this last week. And it goes back to what Josh was talking about about the about the cameraman's work. And I thought it would be cool, and I've already told you about it, so it's not a surprise coming to you. But I thought what would be cool before we close out this podcast today is for you to give not only... Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on one second. Jess is is chasing her dog down. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. But uh, but I thought it would be cool to for you to give a you know and do this once a week is to talk about one photography tip and one videography tip to to people that are just starting out because that's your expertise why not utilize it why not talk to you about it we're crazy not to 
because so many people are getting into, and they've always been photographing their hunts, um, but a lot of people are videoing their hunts. So for somebody that's starting out, what's, let's just talk about photography real quick. What is the first tip on photoing result of a hunt or what, whatever it may be? You know, let what, me, what is me, one tip that you would give a beginner? Let's address it this way, if you don't mind. The number one question that I get through text messages, emails, Facebook, whatever, Instagram, the number one question I get is what kind of camera should I buy and what lens should I buy with it to photograph my hunting adventures? And so the the answer, the truth of the matter is the answer is, A, it's not really the camera that makes the photo, it's the composition and how you set it up. But if you, you know, if you if you want to go into the whole DSLR realm of photography, then most people already have a small DSLR and a kit lens, which is, you know, a fairly cheap uh, setup starter kit. My advice is for people to, instead of worrying about what kind of camera they're going to buy, invest in a lens because your lens is the most important um, aspect of your mechanical equipment and photography. And so if you want to be able to manipulate your photos with shallow depths of field or, um, you know, adding more light to your photos because you have a faster aperture on a more expensive lens, then get a good lens and just put it on the body that you already have. And then if you really like photography, then start thinking about upgrading your body. And the difference between a cheap camera body and an expensive camera body is literally either either the size of the motor, or I'm sorry, the, the size of the sensor in the camera, which allows for higher pixel rates and higher resolution, or the motor in the camera, which allows you to shoot faster frame rates so you can capture things like running animals or flying birds or sports activities. Um, and, and those are the things that really allow you to upgrade your photography skills because you have more versatility with your camera. So, all right, to make sure I'm getting this right, it's not so much the camera itself, but more in the lens. Initially, that's right. When you get into the upper levels of camera bodies in professional photography, then, you know, there are functional and mechanical differences in camera bodies that allow you to do more things with your camera. But at the beginner, beginner's level, you're going to upgrade a lot quicker your your photography skills if you have nicer lenses because at the end of the day, a DSLR controls three things, shutter speed, aperture, and your ISO. And all three of those things are the things that help you capture light properly, which is the foundation of photography. It's all about light. You're, you're literally chasing light. Hmm. So, but for, that makes you know, just to... No, 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 no. Cameras have come so far... Let me ask you this question. What gets some great steel shots? 
on average, what would I have to spend with a really good lens, just on a camera body? I, I trust eBay. Okay, so I'm going to speak from for two language through two languages here: eBay and brand new. And incidentally, I have found a new place to buy my camera equipment that is pretty much all it's it's everything you need it's a place called robert's camera in indianapolis i went there to visit during the ata show to see some different options anyhow that's where i buy all my other all my camera equipment now and i get that question all the time where do you get your stuff and i totally trust ebay as well because of the ratings um from sellers over time have really um accurately identified fraudulent sellers and legitimate sellers so back to the question that would be um on ebay you can probably get a pretty decent setup for 800 to a thousand dollars i would say and brand new through robert's camera or bnh or some retailer big retailer like that you can probably get your a, a nice setup for about fifteen hundred dollars so you'd you'd spend say a thousand dollars on a lens and five hundred bucks on a camera body and you can do pretty well i mean i know people on instagram there's a guy named ryan nitz um he shoots a nikon d7100 which is a a, a very small almost entry level uh, nikon dslr and he's got a 70 to 200 millimeter f4 lens which is a middle of the middle of the uh a, a middle mid-range uh, zoom lens and he's one i mean he is he is taking fabulous photos for instagram and he's got over 35,000 followers simply because of the the quality of content that he puts out and i would say he's probably got about two thousand dollars in camera equipment which is cheap relative to professionals you know, professionals price list. All right, well, let's swap over to the video world. The, um, when it comes to filming a hunt, well, let's talk on the same page. What What are some basic things or basic uh, cameras? Rules that, you of know, thumb? cameras or rules of thumb yeah no let's talk about cameras let's don't leave that subject let's talk about cameras that we're going to film a hunt with okay um is, is that the same thing i mean should i mean what we're shooting our still stuff with i mean same camera we're going to be shooting live stuff with because now they've made memory same. cards so huge that mm -hmm. you can you know you can film with them yeah so to, to in order to film out of your DSLR, which is what a lot of people are doing now, you have to have high capacity and high speed memory cards, whether it be a compact flash or a CFast or an SD or a mini SD, whatever it might be, they got to be fast and high capacity to be able to absorb and, and, and bank um, high quality 1080 or 4K video. And so, you know, once you get once you get past that, then the cameras themselves really, and, and this is you know this is probably the second most asked question that I get, and my answer is always, well, what's your goal? That's my first my first question back is, what is your goal? 
are you filming for personal archives? Are you per- filming for a television show? Are you wanting to get into the industry? Are you going to go shoot a feature film? Because each one of those questions requires a different answer. At the entry level, you can shoot, you know, you can buy a DSLR for dual purposes where you shoot your stills and your video with the same camera. And I do that I do that a lot. I mean, I shoot a Canon 1DX Mark II, which is a very expensive version of any other DSLR and just has yeah, more features. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that's what, that's what I do. And that's why I went that route, so I can do both mm-hmm. without having to worry about it because... I, I mean, that, that's why I do it. It's just an easier option. I mean, especially for someone I'm not trying to do it professionally, and it allows me to do it, you know, both, you know, both ways. Carry one camera, yeah. You can accomplish both goals with one tool. Um, now, people that are shooting for television, depending on what kind of content they're trying to produce, um you know they have to go into the the prosumer or professional level camcorder uh camcorder uh you know genre of cameras and those things can come in cheap i mean i've shot television shows high quality tv shows with a $2500 you know canon xa20 or xa30 camera that's as small as um say a nerf football even smaller than a nerf football and and produced high quality TV shows with it. On the other hand, I also have a thirty thousand dollar Red Epic Dragon that shoots you know up to six K with the sensor that it has, it has on it, and I can bank all this stuff in in these high capacity cards at very high speeds, and it allows me to shoot into low light conditions, almost dark. Um, and then. You know, the more you spend, the higher quality you're going to get and the more functionality you're going to get out of your tools. So really, you know, my first question is, what's your goal? My second my second question is, what's your budget? Once I know your goal and I know your budget, then I can probably dial you into two or three different cameras that are on the market that are going to help you accomplish what you want to do. Jake, let me ask you this. You've started an Instagram page where you are offering to help anybody that's wanting to learn about outdoor videography, outdoor photography. What's what's that Instagram page where people can go and follow that page? Yeah, it's called outdoor underscore cameraman. And it's on Instagram, and my whole concept is to be able to share information with people because I do get questions really every day from people that want to know they're scared to expose themselves on Facebook or you know big Instagram pages or whatever it is because they don't want to sound silly by asking a dumb question. And, you know, my theory is that there's, there is no such thing as a dumb question because if you don't know, you don't know. And if you want to learn, you better ask. And so I started this page under the concept that I used to be very secretive with skills that I was learning over the years through mo- mo- mainly mistakes or research or asking questions from my mentors. So I figured, you know, rather than hide secrets from people, um, because people can go to you know YouTube and find a tutorial anyway. I might as well take advantage of of 
you know, some knowledge that I've gained over the last 20 years and just share it with people. So if you want to know something and you want to come to an environment where all we're talking about is outdoor filming or outdoor photography, come to my new Instagram page, um, outdoor underscore cameraman. And uh, if you post a question up, it doesn't matter where it is. I've got my push notifications turned on, and if I see your question, then I'll answer it either privately or publicly. No problem. Yeah, and each week from now on, you know, I think one of the cool things we should do, Jake, is some of these questions that are coming to you, let's talk about them. You know, when we do this part of the podcast, let's talk about those questions that come to you. I mean, I'm not telling you don't answer them online. You need to answer them, but I'm just saying, you know, if you get some interesting questions in, let's talk about those questions. You bet. Let's do it. I love I love talking about photography and filming, and it's something that I never dreamt that I would be really knowledgeable enough to talk about because everything's so technical. And man, I just honestly was never very technically inclined growing up, and now I feel like I'm a skilled social media addict <laughs> and a you know a fairly skilled cameraman or photographer. So if I can help someone. And I will personally, and if I don't know the answer to it, which happens a lot, then I have a lot of friends that are professional photographers and videographers in the industry, and I will reach out to one of them or, or multiple guys or gals and, and answer questions uh, through them as well. You know, another another person, for all you ladies out there that want to know more about photography, you should go check out Jess Delo 7 J-E-S-S-D-E-L-O. Seven, uh, the number seven, and ask Jessica DiLorenzo, one of my partners in business, about things. She's a professional photographer. She's been in the industry for three or four years now, and she's literally exploding. Um, and she she puts out extremely hot uh, content as well. So if you're a lady out there and you want to talk to a lady about it, that's where you need to go. Hey, Jake, let me ask you this, because... There's a lot of people who are not going to go out and spend $1,500 buying a camera, and you know, unless they're really, really into it, it's not being negative. But is there a good uh, phone that has a, I mean, just from your experience, is there a good phone out there that has, you know, really good videoing and picture-taking abilities? Man, iPhone 7? or 7 Plus is amazing. I have a 7 Plus, and, you know, you can shoot 4K video on it now, and I think up to maybe 8 or 10 megapixel still frames, and with all the different uh, photo editing apps and video editing apps that you can get through your phone now for free, you know, you can turn, you can turn phone phone content into high content if you if you ki- even kind of know what you're doing. So um, I haven't had a, a Droid, a Samsung, a Galaxy Series phone in a long time. I've been into iPhones since I think the iPhone 3 maybe, um, and I'm a 7 now, so that's probably been 8 or 10 years, so I can't really answer questions about uh, the Droid system, but I do know for a fact that, that iPhone makes uh, an extremely high-quality phone with a, a great camera. What did you have before the 7? Just don't mind me asking. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, does it, was, it a, was it a huge difference between the 6 and the 7? 
I think so. I believe that I don't remember the exact specifications. Um, I will say that the video went from 1080 to 4K, so that was a huge upgrade. And then, you know, it's got all kinds of slow motion um, functions and um, in-camera in filters and, you know, cropping. You have the ability to crop in camera before you take it to your social. I mean, you can just do so many things with your iPhone now. It's, it's crazy. I mean, pretty much they've developed all these little tools that you have with a DSLR They've created these digital tools through um, applications that you can either buy or get for free uh, through the App Store. And that while they may not be, you know, poster material or um, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say not magazine quality because when I was in Mongolia last year, I took some photos in a museum uh, with my iPhone 6 Plus that actually got published in a, an extremely high-quality big game uh, feature book about uh, big game hunting by John LaMonaco. And I have two shots in there that were literally taken with my iPhone 6 Plus. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. But, I mean, that yeah. just speaks to the quality that they're putting in these little things. That's it. And you got to, you know, my my inventory what money I do make in the outdoor industry filming or taking photographs, I literally have to save and reinvest in camera equipment because there are so many people that are so good at it now because the information and the knowledge is so accessible to so many people that I've had to, you know, I mean, I have to upgrade my cameras just to stay ahead of the normal people. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if you really want to, if you really want to jump into it professionally, if that's your goal, then you better start saving your money. <laughs> hey, Jake, Jake, wasn't it you that, were, that was telling me a, a month or two back that okay, the 4K is huge right now, but it's been released or is going to be released is 40K? No, I've heard that. I've heard a that that Oakley is developing a phone, I believe, for the iOS, you know, Apple system that will shoot 6K um, video. And I've also heard that they are working on a red camera that is ca uh, with a 20K sensor. So right now, I think the highest resolution you can buy in a red is 8K, and that camera runs probably somewhere in the fifty-five to $65,000 range. Um, but they're working on one that almost triples, almost triples that resolution. And I have no idea what that looks like. I mean, you probably, you probably can smell it for that. <laughs> well, didn't you tell me they're going to release a TV that's 40K, or was that Troy telling me that? Somebody that, was I telling me they're... Say that they were going to release a TV that was 40K. Good Lord. It, it had to be. It must have been Troy that was telling me that. Um, I don't remember I that one. I wonder if he's telling you it would be an 8K television that would be worth 40K. That may be <laughs> what it was, really. 
Oh, all right. Well, look, I know you got to get back in the woods, Jake. Um, a lot of great stuff here today. Um, Josh, you got any final words before we go? No, I don't guess so. Jake, how long are y'all out there hunting? But you're over in Pennsylvania, right? I'm in Pennsylvania with Jake Patton and Jeff DiLorenzo turkey hunting up in the uh, Appalachian uh, Mountains of uh, Pennsylvania. And we'll be here. I'll be here until Friday. I got to head back Friday. But uh, yet this morning was my first hunt, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. I can't help but think about Dick and Chris Kirby uh, from Pennsylvania because when I was a kid, Quaker Boys was you know I mean they they dominated the turkey mm-hmm. market. And I just as soon as I stepped in the woods this morning, all I could think about was Dick Kirby. So it's kind of kind of a cool thing. It's my first time here. What part of Pennsylvania are you in? I mean, I know you said the Appalachian, so you must you must be in the south, southeastern, I'm south in, central. I'm in I'm in eastern uh, eastern Pennsylvania, very near Newark. And here's a real quick funny story. I fl- flew into Newark yesterday, and I'm telling you that is the most ghetto place I've ever been. <laughs> and I felt like I need no no listen to this. I felt like I needed a Glock not to defend myself, but just to fit in. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was hey, my rental car, the place I went to get my rental car was, was literally wrapped in a bob, a razor-wrapped barbed wire fence uh, and clo- impoundment, I would say. And uh, anyhow, you know, an hour and a half drive west from Newark, pretty much straight west of Newark, New Jersey, is Bangor, Pennsylvania, where Jess and Jake Patton and Johnny Feltovic live, and it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I'm out in Jess's backyard right now, and you know, I'm watching the dogwoods pop, and the uh, the uh, the AT Ridge Trail is uh, right over the tree line here. It's, it's just a beautiful place. It's pretty cool. So, how far are you away from, say, Hershey, Pennsylvania? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm about an hour and a half from here in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. But I honestly, yeah. I honestly don't know exactly where Hershey is. Oh, man. I don't know if I've told you that. Let me tell you a real funny story real quick. My, uh, my brother, his wife. Uh, which would be my sister-in-law. Her great-great-great-grandfather was captured during the Civil War. And he was held at a prisoner of war camp in in Virginia, uh, northern Virginia, Maryland, somewhere around there. So anyway, he took off as soon as the war was over and walked home. And it took him a year to walk home to Duck Hill, Mississippi. And anyway... For a man to live through the Civil War and walk all the way home, he would do odd jobs on the way back home to for food. Well, anyway, he got back home and he lived to be 100 years old. Guess how he died? Wow. He was rocking on the front porch and rocked off and broke his neck. No. Yeah. So, wow. and I've always thought about that, you know, Besides how he died when he was 100 years old, I've always thought about what it would take to get home from a long distance. I mean, that's crazy to be able to walk home from Virginia, northeast Virginia, all the way back to Duck Hill, Mississippi. And that was 
thinking about that when you said, well, I don't, somewhere, <laughs> hour and a half west of Philadelphia. I was just thinking about that, what a walk it would be to get back to Colorado for you. Oh, that'd be quite a walk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, I've enjoyed it. Jake, thank you for the great information. Josh, as always, thank you, bud. And uh want to thank all you guys that listened to this edition of the On the X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. <laughs>